you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. You said that we would receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. There is never a time that we don't need you, Lord. Never. And so we need you more today than ever. We thank you, Lord, that we can come freely, boldly, confidently before you, humbly seeking your hand of mercy and your hand of blessing. Open our eyes and our ears. Help us to understand and to see. Help us to follow through on what we receive in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So, praise God. Um, I was going to talk to you a day today about the power of discernment. What's that about? Huh? What's that about? That, see, the, the, sometimes we ask that question when we see certain things happen or certain things um, that uh, because you have a born-again spirit, your spirit is awake and alive to your environment just like your soul is. So your your inner man and your outer man both have a perception. You perceive things. Uh, if it's... <clears throat> Known by your outer man, say for instance, if, if whoever is somebody walks into the building and we see him walking in on two legs, you have no doubt that that's a human being walking in. But then there are some things that fall into a gray area that you might observe and your outer man doesn't pick up what it is. And then your inner man starts to question. You say, well, what's that about? I'll give you an example. Um, sometimes you can see a behavior in in a person. Say it's one of your children or a loved one or someone like that. And you'll see a repetitive behavior that kind of gets them into trouble. And you say, what's that about? You know, I mean, yeah. what's going on? I, yes. You're puzzled and you come to a place of no answers. So it's because your outer man or your flesh man or your soul can't, Pick up what it is, what's causing this. And so your spirit man starts now to get engaged. And so what kicks in, if you stay with what the spirit man is perceiving, is the power of discernment will kick in for you. And discernment will begin to explain to you the power behind the behavior. So when you get to that point where something puzzles you and you say, what's that about? You know, what's, what's, what's up with that? I mean, what, what, what gives? Um, there's, God is beginning to make you aware that it's a spiritual happening and you're going to have to stay with the Spirit of God to discern what it is that you're looking at, what you're perceiving, and how He wants it dealt with. Sometimes we can get our flesh involved in spiritual happenings. Now you see this in the quote-unquote deliverance ministries quite a bit. There's a lot of flesh going on in some of those things. And see, the thing of it is, when discernment starts to kick in, flesh doesn't have a clue anyway. So why go back to the flesh for a remedy for it when the flesh couldn't figure it out to begin with? See, the man of the flesh has very little spiritual Operation. You, they can copy some things and get a superficial understanding of some things, but 
the the depth of things and how to deal with them and and how to uh work to to work out God's uh outcome in situations all of that must be attained through the spirit so once you're 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 you you know you pose that question what's what's going on here what's that about once that question jumps in there you have to yield it over to your inner man or your spirit man and leave it there now your flesh man is going to be tempted to pick at it and pick at it and pick at it and guess and guess and guess and guess. You know, like all the people want to tell you this a this spirit and a that spirit and and you like, well take authority over it. You know, it'll stop. Well they wanna see the the world is filled with information and the church is too. And so the church will give you a bunch of names of stuff or, oh, you, you know, I saw a vision and this, it was, is this the strong man over Detroit and this the strong man over here and I said, well, take him down. See, God doesn't have you just know stuff and name stuff. He gives you authority over all the works of darkness. Amen. So if it's valid revelation, God will follow through with a strategy how to deal with it. A strategy, how to expect. Sometimes he'll just say, well, just keep praying. You understand what I'm saying? Just keep doing what you do. Just don't let it get transferred over into your flesh because your flesh wants to deal with it bad. See, your flesh is bothered by everything. He wants to have a quick answer, a speedy answer. He wants an answer that can can give him some comfort or or whatever it is uh, that's being disturbed. And so your flesh man wants to have a quick, easy remedy for some things that may take some time, some things. But discernment comes to help you sort out what's holy and what's profane, what's good and what's evil. What's uh, right and not right, what's morally upright and, and what's sinful, uh, discernment comes to help you do that. And so if you, if you don't let discernment kick in and take over, then you'll be a person of compromise. You'll be a person who makes his own answers up, which we have all done when we lack knowledge, right? See, wisdom knows, number one, wisdom knows when to shut up and when to speak. You know what I'm saying? That's the first, you know, <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, the fear of the Lord will tell you when to shut up and when to talk. And so it's best to not be so quick with ready answers for things, but allow God to reveal things to you and let it play out according to the way God wants to do it. And so if we'll, if we'll allow God to answer that question and then let him take over. Because your flesh will think, oh, I gotta deal with this right now. It's an emergency. Spiritual 911. And we know there's no such number. Amen. In the spirit, God knows everything before it happens. And he already has a plan. So what we have to do is tap into God's plan. Tap into his remedy. Tap into his answer for these things. When we ask this question, many times we are seeking the power behind human activity and many times we question what we see. One of the, one of the characteristics is this activity is out of proportion to what's going on. It's extreme. 
So sometimes when we see extreme activities to what's going on, we'll say, what's that about? If it's inappropriate to the occasion, you'll start to question, well, what's that about? If it doesn't make sense and it's not connected, amen, you'll ask that question, what's that about? And when you ask that question, your spirit man then is seeking to take over the situation so that you can get mastery and get discernment as to what's going on and deal appropriately with it. Amen. My feeling is always speak the word into a situation when you, uh, you, you're not sure what's behind it, what's going on, whatever, whatever. Speak the word into the situation and at least God has something to work with while we're puzzling about things or querying about things. It's very important to identify if what you're observing is good or evil. Amen? If it's good or evil. Sometimes there's a mixture of things involved in situations. Sometimes, you know, uh, um, say for instance, I we were in a church when I was a younger Christian, and there were a lot of people from all kind of different backgrounds, denominations, and you know, you get into praise and worship, and you didn't know who was moved, being moved by God and who was being moved by the devil, you know, or a mixture of just flesh, and so it it. it it sometimes is good to stand back from a situation and not make any judgment about it. Sometimes God will say, well, don't worry about that. That's no big thing. You know, if people want to jump out of their wig or jump out from under their the, <laughs> the cap or something like that, you know, just let them do it, you know, and, and just you don't have to make any kind of discernment about it. You know, it's not threatening. It's not a real threatening situation. Unless, though, if it does, uh, sometimes those things can get out of hand and you'll see witchcraft manipulation of people in some atmospheres where there's a lot of flesh manifesting and a lot of disorder, oftentimes the enemy is trying to take control of the situation, take the glory from God, cause uh, attention to be drawn to himself and the confusion that he brings. And then you got people who are new Christians sitting out there and they say, oh, I ain't coming back here no more. These people scare me. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to discern and, and let God show us uh, what's appropriate, what isn't appropriate, what's an extreme, what's ignorant uh, flesh acting out and, and what's imitation, all those kinds of things. And so, but, but there are times when you need to ask God to help you to make sense of things because you're not sure what you're looking at. You, you may have even, uh, um, an irritation in your spirit on the inside of you where the Holy Ghost is telling you this ain't right, but you don't have any more details. So sometimes you'll just get a, what I used to call a, a, a uh, in, inside of you. And, and he's telling you this isn't from me or, you know, walk on by or, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> smile and, and grin and keep it moving. You know, whatever he tells you to do. And so, uh, this a sense of discernment comes upon us often. You see, it, it does, it does, because you have to have this in order to keep yourself set apart 
by God. You have to keep yourself in a place where God can use you and where you're available to God. But also you have to keep yourself free from uh, evil influences. And so uh, many times we can can give ourselves over to wrong influences uh, by by relaxing discernment, by not saying what's that about, and uh, you know, uh, give a give a relaxed mentality about things until we kind of pick them up. And so, uh, and you'll find this with with people in religion, politics. What kind of sphere of influence, whatever sphere of influence there is, uh, you will find sometimes people, instead of staying with the spirit, they'll relax and get over into the soul and start to pick up ideas based on soulish things like, you know, whether you like that person or not. You know, um, or whether you, uh, say for instance, if it's your favorite preacher on television, you'll start to relax discernment because they've always fed you, they've always helped you, you always you like their stuff, whatever it is, and then they'll start to say things that aren't quite Yeah. And so it's easy to relax discernment when your soul likes certain things. Your soul uh or even if your soul longs for something or your soul craves something you'll find that you will relax your what's that about thing um, in order to just not have to make the decision as to whether that person is accurate or not. And see, we should never, uh, never compromise our discerner based on like or don't like. You got me? Uh, or maybe there are some things you don't quite understand and receive at the time that you hear them. You can put them on the shelf and not dislike anybody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can just put that on the shelf and, and, uh, just, just not, not make a judgment about it one way or the other. And so it's, it's a little challenging to live a life totally by the spirit. You can do it. It's a challenge, but you're going to have to put away pet things like, you know, I like so-and-so or I like certain people or, you know, some people, um, like everybody's human, everybody make mistakes. But be careful if you can't hear anything negative about somebody, you know, I mean, even when it's true. Now, for instance, if it's your pastor. You know, you don't sit around people who are going to talk all day long negative about your pastor because you don't want to cut off your feeding and your trust of that person in the Lord. So that's a spiritual discernment thing and a spiritual judgment that we make. Now, if if somebody says, well, I don't like them nails of hers, you might say, well, I don't either, but that ain't nothing to get upset about. Them nails ain't going to take me to heaven or hell either one. You understand what I'm saying? And so you can have things that that you just don't care for about people, but they ain't biggies. We all have that about one thing or another. I work hard not to have little pet things that I like or dislike one way or the other that don't make sense. And we all do as Christians. We try to put away childish things and foolish things and things don't really, that don't really mean anything. And so when we find that we can put those things away, that makes our spiritual discernment a lot sharper than it would be if we let them stand in the way 
of of our relationship with people you know i'm not going to fall out with you because of the way you dress the way you look the way you comb your hair the way you you know what i'm saying like you know but but if if i see you walking around with goofy people i might be upset about it because if i i see your company ain't right I don't want you to get contaminated by bad company. You see what I'm saying? So if we put it into a category of the the things that count versus the things that don't count. Amen. And so if we can stay with the things that count, those are the spiritual things and the rest of it, hey, you know, do what you want to do. You won't you won't look like that, look like that. I, I don't care. You know, let me look like I look though. You know what I'm saying? And so we we have to uh, get into a place where our spirits are sharper than our souls. That's where God wants us to get to. And the more you can allow God to answer questions for you when you're not sure what you're perceiving, the stronger you will be in the things of God. The less you'll have to fake it. You understand what I'm saying? Because we a lot of people faking that they know certain things in the church and they don't know Jack. You know, or John, or Paul, or <laughs> Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? You know, <laughs> they don't know none of that stuff. And so, we have great pretenders in the church, always have. And so, that's part of our discernment as well, is to know uh, real from false, God from not God, the word of the Lord from something made up, you got me? And so when we understand that we have discernment for a reason, uh, you have discernment to keep you pure. Amen? Um, that's why you teach your children how to judge their friends on a higher level than just they like me and they're around all the time and they show me a lot of attention. And so when you when you start to do that, you start to sharpen your your um your spirit to to stay more with the spirit of god so for instance things that we might ask what's that about uh some people might have a strong reaction to what we consider to be non-threatening things or statements or opinions uh this uh, uh what they call now tds or trump derangement syndrome uh, where you see these people on the streets crying and screaming because somebody wears a, a a hat with "Make America Great Again" on it, see that's not normal. You you look at it and say, "What's that about?" Now this is just too demonic for it to be coming from any kind of human place, and it's too consistent. It's very consistent throughout that party of people. And so when we understand what we're looking at is not normal, you have to discern and you got to ask God, now what's that about? What's, what's going on here, Lord? And see, the fact that it's gotten kind of quiet when I mention Trump's name, see, I know that demon hangs around Christians because the devil wants to take Christians down the toilet, you got me, with the abortion supporters. See, if you're a Christian and you were upset about the standing ovation abortion got in the state of New York right before birth, if you're a Christian, you then you can't side with those people. You see what I'm saying? You can't side with them. 
See, what people say is that, oh, you know what? What? Well, I don't. I don't vote Democrat for that. Yes, you do. You get the whole thing. Well, I'm not for abortion. Well, if you vote that way, yes, you are. You are. See, this is where discernment comes in to help separate out the true from the false. You didn't think it was going to be hard serving God, did you? But you see, it's getting hard for some people. Because if you're not sold out to God, you know what I'm saying? It makes a difference that you vote for your pet people. The people you like. See? And, and it's no, it's no surprise that the devil to take black Christians down with the devil, he would put a black man up for office so then you feel like you're not being loyal to your color. Huh? We don't know what color God is. <laughs> He's invisible. <laughs> so that means color ain't important. I mean, if you're sold out to God, you don't have no color. You're a Christian. Whatever color that is. See, discernment gets, it hurts you after a while because you have to give up some things you like. Huh? Somebody you've been praying about, dating and all this kind of stuff and you get almost up to the altar and something inside you says, I rebuke you, devil. Isn't that what we do? Get out of here, say, get thee behind me. I know this is the one. You know, I'd rather just, just go to heaven single than to go to hell. I just, you know, this is just the way I feel about it. You've invested all this time in making your way toward heaven, then all of a sudden you're gonna fall in love. Fool around and fell in love. Where's my sopranos at today? Uh huh. Well, that's what we do. We fool around in our heads. You're more in love with your head than you are with anybody. <laughs> falling in love with love is falling for make believe. Huh? Oh, I got a million of them. Yeah, whatever. I'm gonna quit though while I'm ahead. You know, we mostly in love with an idea. You know, anybody shows up that's halfway right, we this is the one. It's got to be the one. Huh? You know, things that are out of proportion to what's going on. Now, a person showing up in your workplace with a cap on and you refuse to serve them, that's out of proportion to somebody just showing up in a cap. You got me? So for those of you who don't think and haven't asked what's up with that, you need to ask what's up with that. Huh? 
Because these things often, these overreactions often have demonic roots. For instance, a man who who is jealous because his girlfriend stays too long when 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 she goes out shopping or he's angry when she comes in and where you been? What's he been doing? And then he might catch himself and simmer down and she feels flattered because oh he cares. Huh? If you ain't spending his money, he ain't got no business asking you where you been. Oh, Bob, don't say that. <laughs> you have to submit. No, not to the devil, you don't. I got news for you. Anybody ain't heard yet, you don't belong to the devil. Don't get so easily flattered over everything. My goodness. Back off, brother. You understand what I'm saying? God didn't ask him to save you. You belong to God. If it's okay with God, he'll square it away with him. And if it can't be squared, you might ask yourself, what's up with that? What's that about? Huh? Yeah. So these sometimes have demonic roots. Amen? Another example, now nowadays the gospel is referred to as hate speech. They used to just let us preach and ignore us if they didn't want Jesus. But they let us preach. Now they want to shut us up and take us to court because now it's considered hate speech. What's up with that? What's that about? Huh? What's that about? There's a devil behind it. A much bigger devil than ever has been against us before is now been unleashed against us. And if you want to survive and you want to be on top, you better get on the Lord's side. That's all I'm telling you is get on the Lord's side. I'm not talking about a political party or a anybody. I'm talking about the Lord's side and find out where it is and get there. Now that we're doing hate speech when we have church services, it won't be long before more of them will close up. Because many of them have closed up because God's closing them. Because they're lukewarm. Hmm? The lukewarms, I gotta go. So God gets and sorts people out first to give his people a chance to repent and get on the right side. Churches that have become seeker friendly. They used to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins, and now they're, oh, you can't, well, we don't want to turn people off. Well, what is this, a, a club or a church? Huh? It's supposed to be a sanctuary for people who are seeking God. That's what the word sanctuary means, a safe place for people who are seeking God, to worship God, to share truth about God, to get to know God better, all of the above. Instead of a seeker-friendly place where you got to be careful to not offend somebody when you go up to them in church. And ask them, well, is your family saved yet? What do you mean by that? Hate speech in the church. Hmm? So God just shut stuff like that down before the devil even got a chance to glorify himself. But, you know, turning everybody. And those who escape get to get to a place where it is safe. For them to worship God and talk about the things of God. 
is now illegal. You can be sued for helping people to leave the homosexual lifestyle. Amen. You you know what I'm saying. You you just just all of this has come about because of what we call political correct. So there's a political spirit now that is running almost every facet of life in this country and many other countries besides. All of this is part of the assault of the third heaven and the rulers of darkness of this world. So they have planned and plotted their strategy to destroy mankind through compromise. Amen. If he can get you to bend, he can get you to bow. So you have to stand upright before God and not care one way or the other. But you've got to keep discernment. You can't let it get weak. You can't uh, fight discernment when you see something's not right. You can't rationalize and say, oh, well, that, that's probably not that bad. Or uh-uh, you stay with that because that's God helping you. Amen. When he tells you something ain't right, that's him helping you. Amen. When we know that the, the third heaven is assaulting us and the rulers of darkness are trying to control us, we have to treat them as enemies and attack them with our authority and our prayers. God may have you confront some face to face. You let him arrange the meeting. You got me? And give you the words to say. But you don't go out seeking people just to pick on them because they're, you know what I'm saying. So you use wisdom, but you don't back down. You keep sharing Christ. You keep preaching the gospel. In Acts chapter 16, we see a a familiar story, but it's a story about discernment and about how it operates in in the... um, Uh, operates in the believer. Now some background uh, in this story is that um, the Apostle Paul, is it Paul, is it Silas with him this time? Yeah, I think. Yeah, Paul and Silas are in Philippi. And in a lot of these Greek cities were, were port cities where there were people coming and going, all kinds of like a, a New York City in Greece, where there are people from every background, every type of language, etc., etc. So there were a lot of mixed religions, and a lot of mixed ideas, a lot of uh, things that people were involved in that weren't godly things. And so, um, but Paul is making some headway in this city because he's been introduced to a woman who is a, seems to be a wealthy woman. It says here, verse 13, uh, this is Acts 16, 13, and on the Sabbath, he went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and he sat, we sat down and spoke to the women, women which uh, resorted or were sitting there, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord had opened, that she attended to the things which were spoken about, about Paul. 
And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and live there. And she constrains us. So you see, God has shown Paul favor with a wealthy woman in this city. She was a businesswoman. You didn't get to be a business person and a merchant just by being, you know, half-hearted about stuff. Uh, she wasn't a beggar at all. She was a, a woman who commanded attention. She commanded authority. Uh, she was somebody who was a force to be reckoned with. And she had invited them. She invited them to let her take care of their material needs. And so here we see money becoming a problem for the devil, not for Paul. Because he's already knows how to be content. Whatever state he's in, he knows how to be abased and how to abound. He said that already. God, we need more preachers like that. Paul was not the guy that you invited and he sent you a two-page letter with a list of what hotel he could stay at and couldn't stay at. How much of an honorarium he had to have up front, plus plane tickets for himself and his entourage and all these other people and what temperature water he wants to have at the podium and all this kind of stuff. He didn't come with the two-page letter that demanded your firstborn children on top of that. You understand what I'm saying? Paul just was Paul. He got beat everywhere he went. So what difference does it make where he stays? Come on now. He going to be black and blue. You know, he, he probably won't be able to lay down most of the time. I'll take my dinner standing up. Thank you. you understand what I'm saying? So he's he's a big boy. But God affords him this. And oftentimes it's because of the influence of the person. You know, these sometimes wealthy people have influence over other times. That's not always true for those preachers that seek out prominent people to come to their church. Then they get very humble and subservient to that one person and treat the rest of it. Well, I won't even go there. But you know what I'm saying. So this is Lydia. This is set up by God. She's She worshiped God with her whole household. And she invites Paul to stay there. So they're going to have prayer at Lydia's house where it's nice and comfortable. And here comes somebody. Verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer at Lydia's house. A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Who brought her masters much gain By fortune telling or soothsaying, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. So here, every time they get ready to go to Lydia's for prayer, this chick follows them. Now, you got to know this. Devils have assignments. Some of them wait around for years to complete their assignment. You have some demons work with familiar spirits, get to know when it's advantageous to to start to get involved in your life. 
because they know what their assignment is. The devil can wait a long time. He's much more patient than we are many times. But he can wait a long time. Sometimes these people have to wait for many, many years to get to the point where they can derail you, where they can wreck your life, where they can mess you up, mess up your reputation. Hmm? So she's assigned to him. She ain't going nowhere else. You understand me? He says, how many days? Uh, Many. So it was like she punched in. Minute she saw Paul and Silas going to Lydia's house, huh? She clocks in and gets on her job. And so she is what we call a false witness because she does not have the witness of the Holy Spirit in anything that she says. That's why Paul's grieved. Because day one, he probably said, what's that about? But he keeps walking. Day two, what's that about? And he keeps walking. Then after many days go by, he's about had enough because he knows what it's about. Amen. See, when you act and take authority, that's the point of knowing. That's where you... Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, all of y'all come together in agreement. It's the point of knowing. And in that moment, you will know what to do. Day one, it wasn't a point of knowing. Even though he knew what, what she was about, it wasn't a knowing by the Holy Spirit and by an activity and an unction of the Spirit that would deal with the problem. So here he is, he's walking and she's following him. She's kind of trying to tell people who they are. She's introducing him. In other words, here he's got uh, a, a wealthy woman already sponsoring him, you know, by God. This was God's design and God's setup. So this girl thinks she's going to take Miss Lydia's place. You understand? It's like, you know, the devil does this. He sees things the way they're constructed in God's kingdom, and then he'll put forth a counterfeit of it to pull you off of the... You see what I'm saying? If, he, if they can get in your flesh and get under your skin, they'll they'll produce a counterfeit of it to see if they can take over and take your place. So it's kind of like, well, okay, um, Paul, you're just going to a prayer meeting at Lydia's, but this chick here can get you a big crowd on the street. You see what I'm saying? Because she keeps promoting you. She's uh, pushing you up. She's telling everybody about you. You know, Lydia could do a little bit better job getting your crowd together at that prayer meeting, Paul. I want to shock you how many preachers leave small things and go to big things that are already made and prepared. You know, be careful. When Paul says, I don't build on another man's foundation. I build on my own stuff. Y'all need you to invite me nowhere. I'm on assignment from God. If God said don't go nowhere, I don't go. 
you can pray for open doors and scream and cry and do everything you want to, but you're going to do what God, he going to open doors no man can close. So you might as well say, God, well, I'll leave the open doors up to you. I won't even bug you about that stuff. We just keep keep praying that I be where you want me to be when you want me to be there. So here she is, bearing false witness, seeing if she can draw Paul off. And he let her do it for many days. She probably thought she was getting some headway. But Paul is one day, you know, I don't know if he just didn't eat much or <laughs> just decided he this wasn't his, this wasn't the day to mess with Paul. Saul, so, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now he could have said that the first day, could have said that the second day, could have said that the third day. But there was probably no unction for her to be delivered. See, this is why it's good to let God show you. What's that about? Huh? What do I do about that? Sometimes he tell you, don't do nothing. What you mean? I'm a deliverance minister. Uh, Yeah, we all are. Huh? You have to do things by unction. Now, Paul was a powerful man, a mighty man, but he didn't do this on his own. Because the Holy Spirit has to be with you for this to happen. For the deliverance to be successful. So he spoke to that after many days. He was probably irritated many days. But he didn't have an unction many days. There's a difference between irritation and unction. See, you cannot like something. And until you find out what God wants you to do about it, if anything, you can't do anything about it. At least not successfully. I remember when I first moved here to Detroit, <coughs> we were praying. I remember assisted suicide. You have to think real hard to even remember it. Because <coughs> God got rid of it. You understand what I'm saying? <coughs> I remember praying and asking the Lord and, and when I moved here, <coughs> I started to understand why I had to move to Detroit. <coughs> Excuse me. We had been praying against assisted suicide for several years at that time. And, and you know, it was, this guy's still running around. Next thing you look up in the news, he's left another body out there at an emergency room and all this kind of stuff. He's doing killing all these people. And so I was asking God, I said, God, well, what, what do we do? And he never said anything. Well, when he doesn't say anything, it's like, duh, keep praying. Do what you're doing. Just don't quit. When you, when you work for God, you don't need him to pep talk you every five minutes to keep you going. You know, if you do, you just stay on your knees till you don't need that anymore. But, but, I remember sitting at a table. We, 
went out to dinner. I know I've told this story before. But we went out to dinner. My husband was, we were new in Detroit. And we were accustomed to a, you know, a certain level of social life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You go out to dinner, you get some, somebody's praying for it and all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to put this in my mouth. I just had it. But, um, you know, I, it, we were like forlorn. And so, God, nobody loves us here. Was, where's our friends? Where's our this? Where's our, well, you know, whatever, whatever. And so God started to favor us and bless us, you know, with certain things. Like, I didn't know a Cadillac company offered a Cadillac challenge where they'll send you an invitation and you go dog out all the new Cadillacs. That, I mean, they say, they say, Rev it up as fast as you can and then slam on the brakes. I said, seriously? <laughs> you, you mean you can do that? Huh? We, all kind of stuff we started, you know, God would give us favor. And one of the things he gave us favor was there was a, um, one of the charities had a, a, a dinner tasting. All the chefs from these different restaurants came together and they had the different stations and you could go from station to station tasting everything from hors d'oeuvres to whatever. We didn't have wine, thank you very much, but I don't even know if they serve wine there, but that was a whole thing. And, and, and it was like, like a hundred dollars a person or something like that for the tickets. And then there were tables and people sponsored them and that was more money and so forth and so on. So somebody gave us some hundred dollar tickets. We was eating just like the thousand dollar people. You understand what I'm saying? But at the table was the, uh, Carl Marlinga who was the, what was he over in Oakland County? Was prosecutor. He, Oakland. Because that's where Kevorkian, yeah, he was over in Oakland County. He was there, and he was at the table, and this little kid, remember Manners, big boy kid? Well, he looks just like that. I mean, he's like 50 years old at the time. He looks red hair, looking little freckles and all that, the same little chubby guy. He was sitting at the table, but this Marlinga kept talking about the fact that Oh, one of these days we're going to recognize Jack Kravorkian as ahead of his time. This man is a genius. He's a, and he's going on and on. And I'm going, what's that about? <laughs> what's that about? And so the Lord said, that's a strong man. He said, that's why I sent you here. You know his name. You know where he sits. You know where he does. Amen. So you call him by name. Amen. Little by little, I don't know how he got out of office, but I remember a different guy taking his place, probably lost an election or something like that. A different man took his place, and God gave me favor with the new prosecutor, and I called the office several times, and I asked him, I said, are you going to, is this guy, are you going to find out if he's, you're going to try him for murder, or what's the deal? She said, yeah, we're making all the plans now, we're getting all the information we need, we are planning to to prosecute him for murder. Amen. Would not have happened with the other guy still in office. Amen. I tell you to tell you this. 
like my husband said, let's go eat their free food. You know, <laughs> for him it's free food. For me it's something different. You understand what I'm saying? So for Paul, being being in Lydia's household was not about being in the household of a prominent person. Because the prominent one lives in us. Amen? And so we can have fellowship with him at any time. And we belong to him. So we should not be impressed with people, what they have, what they don't have. Amen. This little girl that, that Paul, she doesn't even have a name in here, says she was a slave girl. And she was in bondage to these people. And people might say, well, poor thing, you know, I mean, she couldn't help what she was doing. Oh, yeah, she could. She could refuse Amen. Just like anybody else can refuse. If she knows so much about what Paul and Silas are doing, why don't she accept Jesus? So she's there following them every day, bearing false witness, irritating them. And so Paul then decides that he's had enough on it on this one day. Amen. She's trying to, and this is the other thing that devils do too. They like to camouflage themselves. Like they like to try and make like they're on your side. So that's why you really do have to go inside and ask God, what's up with this? You know, what's this about? Why are they trying to be my friend? All these people hate us. Why the friendship all of a sudden? What's what's the olive branch for? Is it real or is it not real? So Paul asked the question of the Holy Spirit, you know, after many days. The spirit behind the words are more important than the words. People can say anything they want to, but the spirit behind it is much more important than what's said. After being grieved in his spirit each time he said it, she said it, he finally asked God that question. What's this about? So he found out and understood that the spirit behind the words were more damaging than the words themselves. She spoke facts about them, but had no knowledge of God to support her words. So she was bearing false witness. She she didn't know anything about what she was saying. She was just repeating it. And this is one of the deceptions of this age. That you we live in a word-driven um, culture. A word-driven world. And people will say things that that they don't really believe. Or they have no knowledge of them. Just so that they can get involved in the conversation. You know. Uh, Anybody see Gone with the Wind? Remember Biddy, the little slave girl? And she was talking about, oh, Miss, what is it? Oh, Miss Scarlet, when the baby comes, we just gonna do this and we gonna do that. And then the lady went into labor. She said, I don't know about no person, no baby. She said, whatever. Uh She was just all in, you know, she had them fooled for a minute. 
So, but you know what God doesn't want us to be deceived by the enemy. So he gives us discernment. When you feel that eh, in your spirit, that glitch on the inside, don't override that. And, and talk about how nice somebody is or they don't mean no harm or we all got problems. You know how that stuff goes. Just cut that out. Amen. We all try to rationalize. We all want to jump in sin with other people because we don't like to make a decision. Don't want to take a stand. Don't want to let people out of our lives. Huh? We want to, want to get everybody involved. And we want to believe what we want to believe. We don't want to believe the truth sometimes. Huh? As Mr. Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. But he said it like real. Love that scene. <laughs> you can't handle it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like I said, don't tell me nothing. Amen. So many days she was on assignment. Huh? What was she there to do? What could she do by bearing false witness behind two holy men of God? Well, she can get, she can kill your ministry. Getting the wrong people following you. He's already in a, in the best place he can be with this powerful lady in the city, her family saved. They're having prayer. For other people to get saved every day. And so she wants to draw him off to maybe some popularity. You know, like this. I'll get you a crowd. i get you a bigger crowd, Paul. You come over here with me. i get you a bigger crowd. See, You suppose you should be on television anyway. Come on over here with me. I'll set you up. So we we understand that the enemy has something in mind with these. She wasn't just doing this for nothing. She wasn't doing it because she was an idle devil with nothing better to do with her time. There was a something she was after in following after them the way she was. So she spoke facts, but she had no knowledge of God to support her words. So she couldn't give a testimony of salvation. Paul was grieved and the Holy Spirit was telling him that something was not right. And he also told him what to do about it. Now you notice Paul did not ask the devil a million questions. Who are you? What's your name? Authority doesn't need a name. Authority just speaks to it and say you. Now if you need a name, you know who you are. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking to you. Devils never come off of assignment. So if he hadn't cast her out that way, the next day she would have been right there. Your job is to make sure whatever happens that their plan does not come to pass. You may not know what they have in mind. All you know is that you're the one to stop it. You don't, you don't know what the, the eventual bad outcome would be. You just know that you're the one to stop it. Like with assisted suicide, God gave me one vision of, of states being, uh, assigned different things that they could do as far as murdering people were concerned. 
and he told me, he said, if you don't want Michigan to become one of those states, he said, you better pray and kill this thing right now. You got me? I had asked him to kill Kevorkian. I said, he's old. You know, like, we don't all get old, whatever. Why can't you kill him? Well, what would you do with him after you kill him? See, people still have that idea in their heads. So God had a way he wanted to take it down where to not kill the vessel but kill the idea. Sometimes if you leave the vessel alive and people can see what happens, like when he went to jail, people didn't think he'd ever go to jail. Then he lived long enough to come out of jail, and then he died. And so you don't know what all God is doing in that, but you do your part. Your part is to use your spiritual authority to do what God tells you to do about these things and get rid of them. Amen. You get rid of them. One of the strengths of of our ministry is not just me praying. There are other people praying too. And I see many people trying to have a prayer ministry as just them by themselves. And I'm thinking, what on earth are you doing? You know, there's so much power in agreement. And so much power in in other gifts with authority and and can do things just as well as you, if not better. You understand what I'm saying? And so you have to understand that the whole thing is God's plan. But God will, will do what he wants to do in these situations if we will stay with what, stay with discernment. Amen? So the purpose of discernment is to head off trouble before it materializes. So you may never get to know what that demon was going to do. But know this, it was up to no good. And if you obey God, you stopped it. You got me? Or you had a hand in stopping it with other people. But you got to do your part. You can't, don't get comfortable with the fact that other people are praying too. You got to do your part now. Suppose you're wrong in what you, what you plan to do or what you do. Well, that's not your problem. Amen. You can be doing the best you can and miss it. So right and wrong is not your issue. Your issue is obedience. Amen. And not to blur your discernment, not to let your your mind get soft and say, Oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. No, you do it anyway. Amen. Your main concern is that you obey God. You must take authority. Arrest the devil because he's never innocent. Amen. You always put him under lock and key. You always put him under authority. You always keep him bound. Don't let him get, get, once you discern it's, it's the enemy, then you, you take him under authority. Arrest him. Amen. You, you see people limping around. You, you arrest the infirm devils. These sickness devils. Make them quit. Amen. And, and make them leave people alone. You can always do that. But, but you know, I'm, I'm telling you that, that God is sharpening discernment more and more in these days because I see a lot of blind people running around. These are people that used to have eyes to see and ears to hear and they're blind now. And so we have to stay on the, 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 uh, the side of light, glory, right, and not get blurred in the middle. And definitely don't get over into darkness.
because the darkness is increasing. It's gross darkness and it's gross deafness. But God's glory is being seen on his people. So it's time for us to get an elevation. It's time for us to get more empowered and it will come with discernment. So what's that about? That's what you need to ask God so that he can answer your question for you. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your glory revealed in your people. Thank you, Father, for our time of fellowship. Bless our bread and our water and our soup and our sandwich and our dessert and take sickness from the midst of us in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come up and I'll pray for you.